Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company with us as we continue our exploration in the series we titled Take Off, which is essentially a series that discusses the person, the ministry, and the relationship that we have with the person of the Holy Spirit because Christians believe in a triunity God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of power. And we have uh, promised you that as you interact with God's Spirit, you'll be able to live on a different playing field. That is, we, we discussed it in this way. We said that living by the flesh, that is living in your own capacity, as compared to living by the Spirit, is like walking on a plane as compared to flying by a plane. So what we were saying is that if you allow the Holy Spirit to indwell you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to live in and through you, He will enable you to manifest the character of Jesus in such a way that doesn't require this human struggle and endeavor and, you know, uh, willpower and all of that. Much like being on a plane. You decide to go on a plane, but you don't have to you know, run the, 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 the plane. You don't have to steer the plane. You don't have to ensure the technicalities of the plane staying, uh, you know, above the earth and not crashing down. You basically are carried by the, the, the technology that is, that is afforded to us, which Adam and Eve could never have imagined, right? So the same thing. In the New Testament, we can be carried by the Holy Spirit. The reality is throughout the Old Testament, the prophets promised a new covenant. They promised whether it was Ezekiel that God would give us a new heart and put a new spirit in us. And that spirit will enable us to walk in God's statutes. Because guess what? Every other covenant before the new covenant, God would promise that if people would obey, He would look after them and people promised they would obey but never fulfill the promise so God said I have to give them something new and I have to give them something from the inside that wants to live the life that God has created us to live according to his image and that's where the Holy Spirit comes to give us a new heart, a heart of flesh, and to give us a new spirit, that, 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 uh, that, a way and an attitude and a craving and appetite and a nature that wants to live in God's way happily. Not what can I do to avoid being judged by God? No, 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 no. How can I live in full pleasing, genuinely delightful intimacy with God, not fearing God, but delighting in God. And that can only be possible to live that divine oriented life only by the power of the Holy Spirit.
And in order to relate to the Holy Spirit, there are three ways. We talked about two of them already. And today we'll begin about the th to talk about the third one. We talked about the Holy Spirit indwelling the believers, regenerating us. We talked about the Holy Spirit filling the believers, allowing us to live uh, under His control, allowing us to live under His influence with a new worldview, with a new adoration of God and with a new wrestle to allow others to come ahead of us. And we can surrender to the Holy Spirit as a decision, but we must surrender to Him as a discipline over time. And those people who surrender, who decide that because of God's mercies, they're going to be a living sacrifice and allow the Holy Spirit to control them and they do that daily because living sacrifices want to jump off the altar but as we stay under the control of the Spirit guess what we'll begin to overflow with Christ's character and capabilities that is the beauty of the Christian life on a different plane the Christian life as taking off from the normal capabilities. No other religion, no other spirituality can enable you to live the life that God designed for us, to live according to His own image, to live with His attitudes and motivation and selflessness. No one can enable you to do that. Not even Christian doctrines, not even Christian study, not even Christian activities. The only way is as you surrender to the Holy Spirit so He can manifest the character of Jesus in us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11, it says that as we die daily that to ourselves, to our control, to our agendas, that the Spirit manifests Jesus in our mortal body. He manifests His character in our mortal body. That's the first thing that Jesus, the Holy Spirit overflow in us by manifesting the character of Jesus as well as manifesting the capabilities of Jesus. Manifesting the character of Jesus, we call that the fruit of the Spirit. And manifesting the capabilities, we call that the gifts of the Spirit, will we address in our next episode. But briefly, I want to talk to you about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the most well-known passages in the New Testament about the fruit of the Spirit comes from a book written by the Apostle Paul. And you probably know that the Apostle Paul wrote about half of the New Testament. He was a persecutor of the church, but he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was never the same again. And he went and reached out to Gentiles because most of the apostles focused on the church in Jerusalem and on people who are of Jewish background. But Paul began to reach outside the boundaries and reach Gentiles, pagans, people who didn't have any religious background. And in the area named as the Galatia area, he reached out in his first missionary and seen so many Gentiles come to know Christ and became believers. Then there were false, uh, false teachers and uh, believers from a Jewish background that began to say that what Paul is sharing with those believers is not the whole truth. 
they needed to become almost Jewish first, become circumcised, obey God through their own performances, and then Jesus is almost like the icing on the cake. But Paul remained so resolute about the fact that all anybody would ever need is to repent of their separation from God, to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, and as a result be declared righteous that is justified by grace, not by their merit. And they will live the rest of their life empowered by the Holy Spirit. So once those uh, Judaizers, the, the Jewish teachers who tried to deceive the Gentiles and tried to teach them that you couldn't really be fully saved unless you uh, rely on your adherence to the Jewish law, uh, Paul uh, you know, uh, went to Jerusalem and there was a discussion with the pillars of the faith. There was a council known as the Council of Jerusalem. And then Paul began to write to the believers everywhere, probably wrote to the Galatians uh, around 50 AD to teach them that they don't need anything else to live the life that God intended except the power of the Holy Spirit that comes from a relationship and a union with Christ being justified and allowed to live a life that is pleasing to God, not by their performance, but by the capabilities that the Spirit provides. So he speaks in the first few chapters about their position there's justification, he defends his gospel. And then uh, he tells them in chapter 3, he says this, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? That is the summary statement that was convoluted in that church where people said, okay, you start, you know, by grace and, and you start, you know, fully dependent on the Spirit of God. But then you have to live your life and to, uh, you know, to, to display your capabilities in human effort. And Paul said, that is nonsense. The Spirit that you received is the Spirit that will enable you to live live in freedom as he says in chapter 5 he says to them it is for freedom that Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery it's the human capabilities it's the human performance it's the human uh, adherence to a law and standards of 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 behaving or 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 recommending ourselves to god by our good deeds but paul is saying you can't live the christian life by your own capabilities that's the realm of the flesh which will lead to nothing good but you got to live life in terms of the spirit realm and the spirit will not help you manufacture good deeds but will allow you to bear the fruit of the spirit 
he, he contrasts in chapter 5 the works of the flesh, that is the labor that you do in your own abilities, and usually it's inclined to be far away from God. And then he speaks in, in Galatians 5.22 about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what he says to the Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit, you probably know that famous verse, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What is that fruit? Have you noticed that the fruit is not pruler? It's like a cluster of dates, you know, or as a cluster of grapes. The fruit is multifaceted. And the fruit of the Spirit is also a cluster of multifaceted characteristics. It's almost like divine traits that get manifested. You know, Jesus described himself as the vine and his followers as the branches. And what do the branches do? They don't manufacture the fruit. They carry the fruit. They don't, they, they are not the ones that ensure that there is, you know, fruit of the vines. They just basically are, you know, the hanging things on which the fruit gets displayed. The same thing happens with the life of Jesus, the traits of Jesus, the characteristics of Jesus. They are divine fruit that we bear, the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to me. This is the definition you need to know about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the supernatural manifestation of the life of the seed that we receive. Who is the seed? The seed is the Word of God incarnate. As many as received Him, that is as many as received Christ, we become partakers of divine nature. Remember we talked about that before. That seed the imperishable seed, the DNA of Jesus in us, the divine capabilities and character of God deposited in us when we receive the Holy Spirit. That gets manifested and that's the fruit. So, just to be funny, if you plant an orange seed, you expect orange fruit, orange tree. If you plant a lemon seed, you expect lemon tree. If you plant the seed of Jesus, His DNA, you expect the life of Jesus to be manifested in us. And that's the overflow of the Holy Spirit in the people who have put themselves under His influence, under His control. So, since it's something supernatural, since the fruit is a manifestation of the presence of the DNA of Jesus in us, if it is truly supernatural, why isn't it automatically manifested? Have you ever asked yourself that? Like, okay, Peter, we've received Jesus and He is full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of goodness, full of kindness, full of self-control. When I look in the mirror, I don't see that in my life. What's going on? Have I misunderstood something? Have I not received Jesus to start with? Have I stuffed up? Am I not made up for that type of Christianity? And you know what? We retreat. 
we self-blame, we try harder and fail and eventually give up, or we say, we don't think that's real. We don't think that it's possible to manifest the character of Jesus. And then we reconceptualize Christianity as potentially a group of activities or just doctrines that we, we must realize and study and, and teach and, 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 and so forth. So we actually change the goal of Christianity from revealing the image that we created to bear, the image of God which was manifested in Jesus, the greatest example of full humanity. And then we choose other things that we're capable of doing. So we change the ideal because we feel like we can't achieve the real one, right? But I want to share with you that the Jesus-like character is both our identity as well as our calling. For you and I to live like Jesus, we need to understand that it's already who we are, but it's also what we need to live out. We call this potentiality, that God has put within us the potentiality. God put within us the capabilities. God put within us everything that we need in order to live out that character. But He also wants us to collaborate with Him so we can actualize that. That's why different Christians live out the different characters of Christ. Some Christians who are sleepy, who are living a carnal lifestyle, who are not surrendered to the Spirit, they are not manifesting what they already are on the inside, sadly. Why? Because you can be potentially loving, but unless you collaborate with the Spirit to actualize that love, it's not possible to live it out. It's not possible to be manifested in you. And I want to give you a little secret. Every one of those traits who, which are supernaturally within, deposited within us as the fruit of the Spirit, the life of Jesus, every one of those traits is also a command. That means in the New Testament, we are told that we have those traits, but we must live out those traits. Let me give you just three examples. The first one, in Galatians it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Yet, Jesus tells us in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. Obviously, the, way, the word here, love, is agape love, which is the love of Jesus, the selfless love of Jesus that He wants us. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's a supernatural type of love. How do we live that out? Jesus will say, it's already on the inside of you. Okay, why is it not appearing? Well, you let it take control. Of your life. When you have to make a choice, make a choice that actualizes the potentiality of you being a child of God, endowed with the DNA of God, and able to manifest the life of God. So you have a role to play in that. The second thing we read, but the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And Paul tells us in Philippians 4:4, 4, 4, it says, Rejoice as a command in the Lord always. Are you joking? Rejoice always. And he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul, how can I rejoice always? That is not natural. That's supernatural. He says, absolutely. 
It's supernatural because it's the DNA of Christ who was anointed with joy regardless of being betrayed, regardless of being considered a, a, a son of an illegitimate marriage, it, it, regardless of him being, being hated on and considered a prince of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. You know, he was so hammered and harassed and tried, yet he had full joy. He says, my joy may be in you. And that's the DNA of Christ in us. Joy in a spot of circumstances. You get that because many of you are living that out in your day-to-day -day activities. But how come some of us experience joy and others not? It's because we have to balance who we are with our responsibility to act on who we are, to allow the Spirit to take control of our choices so that we can choose the hand of God of joy instead of the hand of the enemy who brings misery. The third example and the last here is, but the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Then we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.13 that Paul commands the church, live in peace with each other. In Ephesians 4, it says, guard the unity of peace with the bond of love, right? So we have a role to play. And that's really what I want to share with you is that whilst we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit, that gets manifested, actualized as we collaborate with the Holy Spirit. That means as we allow Him to take control moment by moment, because you can't just have peace for the whole day. When things are difficult, you got to make the choices almost momentarily that I choose God's peace because I trust Him. I choose to live in peace because God enables me. I choose to make those little sacrifices because God on the inside of me shows His kindness to those who deserve it and those who don't. The fruit is your possibility, is your future, who you are, your future self, but lived in the present, even though it's lived in the present with a distortion. So in the future, as you become fully like Jesus for eternity, you're going to be fully loving. You're going to be fully joyful. You're going to be fully at peace with people. You're going to be fully in kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. That is who you are. That's your uh, a sketch of your future self. But you can live that now. That's your possibility that you can live it now. It's who you are already deposited by the DNA of Jesus in you. And it's who you are becoming because you're collaborating with the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. But it's also gradual. So we need to give ourselves grace. We need to be kind to ourselves as we gradually being transformed to reveal the character of Christ but it's also conditional where we have to collaborate with the Holy Spirit by simply saying no to ourselves no to our pattern no to our agenda no to our desires and allow him to choose the best possible outcome you know God wants to control more of your of you more of your areas of concern because he has more for you 
He wants to control more of you because he has more for you. He has more for you. So how can we therefore collaborate by the Spirit? Again, in, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul answers that in a couple of verses early. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. What is Paul saying here? He is simply saying that within us we have two natures. My dad used to love saying inside of us we have two dogs, the black dog and the white dog. And the one you feed most is the one that will overwhelm the other. So Paul is saying inside of you, you have the nature that you inherited from Adam that's been corrupted by sin that has tendency to be skewed away from God. But you also, because you received Christ and believed on Him and been regenerated by the Spirit, you also have a new nature that has tendency towards the things of God. So the actual battle or the conflict is between two natures. So sometimes you want to do the things of God, but the flesh, your sinful nature, your natural self, you away from God, uh, you know, does the wrong thing. And Paul speaks of that elaborately in, in Romans chapter 7. He says, every time I want to do good, I find evil before me. So it's not longer I who do it, but sin that abides on the inside of me. So what do we do? We need to feed our new nature and recognize who we are in order that we can live in sync with the Spirit. It's like an army. It's like someone leading the way and we're following closely. But you see what? He says, let us keep in a step with the Spirit. Together as a group of people who encourage and challenge and support one another. The Christian walk was meant to be lived together under the banner of the Holy Spirit, but in partnership with one another. So allow me very briefly to share with you three quick things of how we can allow the Spirit to be manifested in us as we partner with one another, how we allow the character of Jesus that already on the inside of us to be manifested in our day-to-day -day operation, day-to-day -day life. The first thing is the word. The second is the face. And the third is the group of believers around you. The word. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The mirror in the scripture and particularly in the epistle of James, it speaks about the word of God. So when we look in the word of God, it's like a mirror. A mirror shows what you are and who you are on the inside. 
A window shows you who other people are. And Paul is saying, as you look in the Word of God, you begin to see who you are on the inside. And as you see the glory of the Lord on the inside of you, the DNA of Jesus on the inside of you, the glorious attributes of the beautiful God that created you and His thumbprints over your life, you begin to say, I can't believe it. I can love like that. I can live like that. I can serve like that. I can be humble like that. I can influence like that. I can have no agendas like that. I can be joyful like that. You begin to understand a dissection of who you are. But that's not enough because we know as human beings that we, our our, our center of identity is known from neuro, um, uh, um, uh, neurological studies that it's like a mirror neurons. That's the center of our identity. In one of the books called Rare Leadership, they say that in the brain, in our identity center, we only have mirror neurons. Mirror neurons can't look at themselves. Our identity center can only look at others and activate the neurons that reflect what they see. That means I can only find my Jesus-like nature when I look at someone else and they show me who I am. They tell me who I am. They say, Peter, you have the capacity to love unconditionally. You underestimate your ability to walk humbly. Peter, you are making a significant difference selflessly. They telling me who I am. I read it in the word. I see it in their face. In fact, it says that in the identity centers, they almost like they can see two faces looking at each other. We see ourselves in the eyes of another, even from a young age. But finally, we need a group around us, our people. In the same book, it says your core identity flows out of your answer to the question, who are my people? Understanding which group we belong to help us to remember who we are and how it is like us to act. We all need people in our lives who know us well enough to recognize when we are starting to slip behind our masks and who can comfort us when we get triggered. Members of an identity group, that is in our case will be God-honoring disciples, uh, they are the group that can say, this isn't like you. Or it makes sense that this is bothering you because it is just like you to care about something like this. Friends, we sometimes ignore the need for transparent group of believers around us. But we can't be Jesus-like without dwelling in the Word of God daily and seeing what He says about us. We can't be Christ-like unless we can see in other God-loving people who we are by the way they talk to us, by the way we observe the way they walk as Jesus-like people. And we can't be Christ-like unless we're around a group of 
of people, a transparent group of people, which we don't like it at times. But we need to be vulnerable and encourage and challenge and stir one another to be who we are meant to be so that they could say to us, hey, don't, don't hide behind the mask. I know that you're not really walking passionately with Jesus at the moment. You know the lingo, you can pray prayers, you can just do activities, but hey, be honest with me. Are you walking in purity? Have you been spending time caring for your family? Have you been able to serve others without asking for, for anything in return? People that would challenge us lovingly, people that would speak the truth of God. The reality is, before a giant falls, you can bet your life on it. They don't have a group of people around them. Before a passionate person loses their passion, you can bet your life about it. They moved away from being open to a group of friends. They've been busied by other things. It may hurt. Every now and again when somebody confronts our deviance, our shortcomings, but if they truly love us and if the Spirit of God restores us, wow, 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 how worth it. Imagine if you're around a group of people that tell you who you are in Christ, but encourage you and pushes you to live it out. Don't succumb to managing your PR, managing your image reputation. Allow the Spirit of God to enable Enable you to open yourself up to other God-loving people with your flaws and warts and all. So with authenticity, you can manifest the life of Jesus because that's what your partner wants. That's what your children wants. That's what your schoolmate wants. That's what your employer wants. That's what your employee wants. They want to see the awesome character, the wise character of Jesus, the caring, compassionate, loving Jesus, they want to see someone that live with integrity and you're capable of living with self-control and goodness and gentleness and kindness and joy and peace. And you owe it to yourself to surrender to the Holy Spirit that he may manifest the life of Jesus in you. And that is our absolute prayer for you. The goal of Christianity is that the Spirit will manifest Jesus in your life and the world will never be the same again. Especially the people that are closest to you will be impacted forever as you reveal Jesus. So go for it. We're cheering you on. We're praying for you. We're loving on you. And we trust that God's Spirit will transform your life in the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Look forward to seeing you in our next and last episode of this series. God bless you.